This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall podcast. Episode 443 of the Yellow World Pods. I'm your host, Stefan Wolzko, and today we will talk about Borussia Dortmund making it 10 out of 10 in 2023 in a 2-1 win on Friday night against Leipzig. And we will preview the second leg against FC Chelsea, to which Dortmund bring a 1-0 lead from the first leg. For all that and more, joins me, Danny Lützner. It's uh, great to have you back on after you uh, helped me preview the uh, other Chelsea game. And uh, for all our listeners, yes, we're Pretty much on live right after the Leipzig game, so <laughs> it's a Friday night episode. So, Danny, again, how are you doing? Welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me again, Stefan. Um, yeah, as you said, 10, 15 minutes after the game, still buzzing. It's It, it was one of those Friday night games at, at Dortmund, and yeah, just incredibly happy that we continued our run and... Uh, yeah, how are you doing after that game? <laughs> well, according to my Apple Watch, I, I barely made it because around the 80th minute mark, uh, I get the heart rate <laughs> warning. <laughs> I'm pretty sure pretty other Dortmund fan too, because man, it was it was a nerve-wracking game, and especially the second half put a lot of pressure on uh, every spectator. That is for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's fair to say that we should start from the top of this game. And uh, obviously Dortmund now enjoy a seven-point lead over RB Leipzig. And they do uh, enjoy, at least for tonight, uh, being league leaders, which of course is very nice and uh, hypes up everyone. And uh, of course for the Bundesliga itself, it's also just really, really good that A, Leipzig lose because they suck. And uh, B, that Dortmund can give Bayern a little run for their money. So... Uh, Happy days. <laughs> I certainly did not anticipate uh, Dortmund uh, coming out of this uh, with the win, especially not after watching that second half. And uh, also, you know, we had some some first doubts creeping in, I think, just five minutes before kickoff when uh, the news spread that Gregor Kobel was going to miss with a muscular injury, which, of course, is very annoying if your arguably best player uh, so close to the game has to... Uh, sit out and then uh, Alex Meyer, who of course is a very competent backup, um, has to jump in. But obviously uh, the, he's not as mentally prepared as he should be for, for such a game. And uh, also something that I totally didn't even notice. And I was uh, ranting about <laughs> the uh, Modest sub uh, in the second half and why Malin wasn't playing. And uh, turns out he also was injured. He got a knock on his ankle. Uh, my bad. I totally missed that. Um, but uh, yeah, Danny, let's uh, maybe start with the first 10 minutes of the game because I think um, these were the the storm, if you will, that Dortmund had to weather. Christopher Nkunku had uh, two really good chances to make it 2 nothing, basically, and uh, Dortmund really struggled uh, to build possession from the back and Leipzig first some very early turnovers uh, high up the field. <sighs> Sorry, I'm still still a little out of breath. Um, yeah, but what what do you make out of these first ten minutes? Uh, why were Dortmund riding their luck a little bit there? Yeah, I mean, this was a big game. Like we 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 can't forget that this was probably the biggest game in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Leipzig has always been a tough game for for Dortmund, so you could clearly see that there was a bit of nervousness. Um, the first touches weren't on points, especially Chan. As you said, uh, on the right side, Wolf, quite sloppy in possession and um, like just took the took the fight from us from, from the beginning. And they pressed really well. And they knew if they score early, it's going to be a completely different game than what Dortmund has been used to in the last couple of weeks. So they tried their luck uh, with a couple of, yeah, I would say shaky possessions, shaky situations, but Schlotterbeck ones. Well, his recovery runs are probably 
the best thing that's that's going on the Bundesliga currently, the way he he covers sp- space and uh, the way he defends the the goal line. We'll speak about this later too, but he's just absolutely insane. And yeah, as I said before, like if Nkunku is is, is match fit and has a little bit more of confidence, we could go down one 0 But I think after ten, like the nine tenth minute mark, you clearly see that we. We have a couple of good possessions. We string together a couple of good passes, and then we have this uh, the confidence back. And uh, yeah, from from then on, we looked like a different team. We were in the game, and uh, yeah, looked different. Looked much different. Yeah, I mean, there are obviously a few talking points. Um, for example, the uh, Julian Brandt goal that was not given in the 13th minute. First of all, what a run and what a pass yeah. by Jude Bellingham. Um, I was actually a bit disappointed by Julian Brandt because I think his first touch let him down considering his quality. Yes. I think he should have done better and then the ball bounces off him um, onto his arm. And uh, while the finish was really good because he slotted it yeah, in the in the far corner and the goalkeeper was just stranded. Plus, which didn't even move. Um I I was sort of celebrating half-heartedly because I saw it in the build-up that uh, the ball bounced off his arm or maybe shoulder. I was hoping it was sort of his uh, midriff or so, but uh, in the replay you could clearly see, um, yeah, it was his arm and uh, the goal was not going to stand. But nevertheless, that that just uh, went to show how often Dortmund managed to slice Leipzig open in this game. We had so many great runs um, many deep runs uh, where Dortmund, uh, once they won possession or sometimes even creating out of their own possession, um, chances getting in behind this Leipzig uh, line. And uh, I think that falls on uh, Marco Rose. And uh, I think you, you just said it correctly. It is a really big game. And these were structural problems that Leipzig had and the Dortmund were able to exploit. And I would say if you play away from home in Dortmund, even uh, if you're Leipzig, uh, these are things that uh, arguably should not happen to you. Absolutely. And then I think one thing that we also have to mention is um, Leipzig was Connie, uh, Connie Leimer in their center midfield and yeah. um, having Haidara play. Haidara, is a, is a, is a, he's not a bad player, but he's not made for these kind of games where you have to be tactically be, uh, disciplined, where you have to stay in your role and uh, I think we pressed him quite um, aggressively. We tried to to force him to to make a couple of errors, which he did. And I think he got a yellow card quite early as well, and uh, Nkunku did. And from then on, as you said, like we found the the channels, we made a couple of good runs. And it's like in general, Leipzig looked quite sloppy once we were in the game. And uh, yeah, then on the twenty twenty fifth minute mark penalty high scored and yeah it looked like a completely different game than the first five six seven minutes yeah ab- sure. absolutely uh first talking point in in this period even i think there there are a couple is uh to me uh the christopher and kunku foul on uh marco royce's leg uh startup hits royce's leg from behind um could be a red card situation what are you thinking about this decision by the ref to uh leave it at the yellow booking I, I think in Germany we we would call it Dunkelgelbe, which is <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a mix between a yellow and a red, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, mean dark England, yellow, not not Dunkelrot. This is like the worst uh, red card. <laughs> Sorry, it's my bad. It's a dark yellow. That's <laughs> what you call it. <laughs> no, but um, I I think we we can both agree that there are situations. If this would have been late in the game, seventy. 75th minute it could have been a red but that early in the game i think they were just okay let's let's see how it goes but obviously we, we had a couple of situations and we talked about it last time about var there's no consistency to two decisions anymore and i can name at least two or three situations that are quite similar that happened this season in the premier league where there was a red card shown so could have been a red was yellow and but it, I don't think it really mattered this uh, today because Nkunku was not he wasn't himself so it it is what it is but could have been a red but <laughs> yeah I mean it still needs to be discussed anyway uh so yeah uh, 
And Coco saw yellow, then Haidara saw yellow, and then of course uh, Marius Wolf had this beautiful outside of the wrist, uh, <laughs> not wrist, but outside of the uh, boot uh, flick to Marco Reus, who runs Blaswig and then Blaswig um, collides, careens, whatever you want to say, into Reus as he wants to slot it into the open net and uh, brings him down. And my favorite part about this is that uh, Blaswich was uh, protesting that he didn't touch Royce, but I think the replay made it abundantly clear it was a penalty. And uh, I'm I'm kind of glad that there isn't a double jeopardy anymore because uh, back in the day this easily could have been a red card for the keeper as well if if you uh, get the uh, attacker like that because it's obviously denying a clear and obvious scoring opportunity. But uh, yeah, uh, Marco Reus, I think, took responsibility and the penalty kick was picture perfect. Hit the side netting with the penalty shot and uh, I think he took it out of the, the hands of Sebastian Alea. But uh, I think as a, as a team captain and uh, Marco Reus, who's a very secure penalty taker, I would say overall. Um, yeah, I I 100% trust him in such a moment. Uh, I've I've seen uh, some rather critical comments of him on Twitter uh, before the game that Dortmund would, would have already lost uh, with Royce back in the starting lineup, yada yada. Um, but I personally think he is a very important uh, player for this team, and I think today it showed once again. What What's your opinion on on his overall performance since uh, he is the de facto captain and uh, someone that absolutely needs to step up in a match like this? I mean, he's a big game player. He has been there. He has done it. He has proven his his worth to the club, um, not just the club, also the the, the national team. Um, he's incredibly important as a as a person, as a leading figure on the pitch. And I mean, I read the same comments as you did before the game. And I mean, people were basically complaining that we don't have pace on our wings, which is absolutely ludicrous. If you still think that Julian Brandt doesn't have any pace, then I don't know what uh, what you've been watching over the last couple of years. Well, because I mean, if you compare it to Adeyemi, yes, he doesn't have any pace. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but who has pace compared to Adeyemi? Yeah. This might be like three or four players in the world, but yeah. You don't need that much pace in our current system to be to be successful, to be important. So, um, and also, who would be the... Um, the uh, replacement for Royce in the starting lineup. Bino Gittens, I think we've both seen that those kind of games, he's not the perfect player to start with, but 60th, 70th minute, he's a good um, super sub to bring on. But I mean, in those kind of games, if you still believe in Royce, he has to play in those games. And if you don't believe in him playing in these games anymore, then maybe it's not... uh, Maybe you shouldn't extend his contract, but he's still proving his worth. So I hope that we we keep him on for at least another year. So yeah, I think. How do, how I th- do you think about? Yeah, that? I I totally agree, and I think chances are he will extend. You know, unless of course Dom win a championship and he says, "All right, I've won it and uh, I'm done now." <laughs> That of course can happen. That's the scenario that I see. But uh, yeah, I know. I don't. I think that Dortmund and uh, Marco Reus will find a solution, and uh, he is yeah. still good enough uh, to be playing here. So I'm personally just uh, really gra- glad how it went. But um, yeah, you obviously wanted to talk about the axes called uh, Nico Schotterbeck, Niklas Süle, and Emre Can. Uh, Emre Can, of course, also scored. Uh, the second goal for Dortmund, but I think more importantly, uh, you wanted to talk about it from a tactical slash structural aspect, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, since since these three have been playing together, and I don't I, I don't see Chan working the way he works currently on our system. If Zul or Schlotterbeck would be replaced by Hummels, I think those three together have to play, and. Um, I mean, Chan is looking like a completely different person right now. He has confidence. Uh, there were a couple of situations, in the fir- especially in the first half, where he just used his physicality to win challenges and duels. And that's not something that we have seen in Dortmund over a long period of time. Um, probably your last player that kind of interver- uh, interpreted his position like Chan is doing right now would have been 
maybe Mani Bender, but Chan is a much better footballer than Bender was. And those three together, I mean, they allow Ryerson and Wolf to, to push up, to, to go forward, especially Wolf. He is, he's, he does not look like a, a player that used to play for, for, for 68 München or for Hannover. He looks like a really decent right back. And yeah, as, as, as long as we can keep that core together in, in, in our, um, central area of the pitch, I think we should be much more stable moving forward. Yeah, I, I think uh, Dortmund fans, even though I was agonizing, you've seen the stability today. I mean, if you really think about it, um, yeah. obviously um, <laughs> Dortmund did make it to nothing and we should probably talk Not about sure it. All right, my Apple Watch is just uh, interrupting me. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking I'm talking to it. Um, Dortmund did make it to nothing, of course. Uh First of all, another set-piece goal, which personally makes me very happy, and uh, Emre Can scoring it was a very nice shot, and uh, and the ESPN feed, uh, Hannes Wolf, who was the uh, uh, expert on the sideline next to Archie Rintut, uh, he uh, said that Dortmund schemed the set-piece, that uh, it was sort of designed to end up with Emre Can, where at, at least uh, the way they created space, they made sure that Emre Can would be open for any... Uh, deflections or whatnot and uh, yeah he did take full advantage uh i think yeah. when we talk about gregor kobel missing we also have to talk about uh, gulashi missing because blaswich he looked absolutely shy trying to save that <laughs> let's be real i mean he saw it late and there were a lot of bodies in front of him but nevertheless i think uh, uh a higher degree goalkeeper of bundesliga quality saves that one um, but nevertheless, it's just such a, it's just such a difficult shot to to prepare for as a goalkeeper, especially true. from that position. And I mean, I totally agree with you that that Gulashi is a completely different uh, different uh, kind of quality as goalkeeper. But yeah, it's just one of those one of those situations where you can't really look great as a goalkeeper, can you? That's true, but nevertheless, um, Dortmund uh, did take advantage of another set piece, and uh, that's a that's a very important streak because it does win games, and also it does win games against uh, high quality teams like Leipzig. But um, yeah, I mean, what is very interesting is you know by the uh, let's say thirty minute mark or so. Dortmund had about sixty two percent possession, and uh, that already dwindled down. Uh, by the halftime whistle, um, where uh, I think it was uh, 60% Leipzig uh, from from then on out, uh, or 66% even. Um, that that just goes to show how the game shifted once. Uh, yeah, Dortmund went up one 0 and uh, I want to say that when Dortmund made it two nothing, Leipzig were already pushing quite a lot, and uh, it was a little bit uh, against the run of play, even if you will, and. <laughs> uh, what I would have very... definitely no, I, no, I would absolutely agree with you. Sorry, there, Stefan. Um, I, I think it was quite an open, open game after the one nil, and um, we had a couple of situations defensively where we were sitting a bit too deep, as we did in the second half. But as you said before, like the the, the goal from Chan just came at the right time, and yeah, we somehow found found us two up uh, at the halftime, which is against a team like Leipzig is, 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 is just amazing. Yeah, and it nearly could have been 3 nothing because uh, I was not betting against Marco Reus to take the second free kick after that uh, handball by, I don't know who it was, might have been uh, Silva or so. Um, yes. Who, uh, yeah. He was very lucky this wasn't uh, in the penalty area because this would have been a slam dunk penalty. Uh, as well, but uh, yeah, uh, it was saved in the end uh, by the wall. Marco Roy is very upset with himself. And on we move to the second half where there weren't any substitutions um, at the break from either team. Um, but right from the start, it felt like <laughs> that uh, it was going to be a one-way street. Uh, Leipzig attacking and Dortmund defending. And it also just didn't feel like Dortmund... Um, had the gas up front, uh, especially Sebastian Alea, 
um, didn't really have the legs anymore uh, very shortly after the beginning of the second half um, to, you know, add some pace to the counterattack and uh, Dortmund were sitting deeper and deeper. Um, but that being said, I was actually quite impressed with the um, amount of uh, uh, shots Dortmund allowed in the sense, you know, I was looking at, at my watch or so or and after 20 minutes of the second half, I only recall one Leipzig chance. And, uh, of course, uh, Dortmund uh, nearly could have made it 3 uh, nothing with that uh, beautiful Marco Reus shot. Um, apart from that, though, Dortmund didn't really offer much, and that was, I think, very frustrating. While it was nice to see that Leipzig were shut down to a great extent, I've seen Dortmund bungle these kind of games so often. So, I don't know, maybe you can make a little sense of it, uh, talk me through this year, through the second half, because I personally feel that uh, Dortmund were a little bit too passive and uh, should have made more out of their counterattacks. But we also must not forget that Adiyemi, Mokoko and Marlon were all out. And uh, when it comes to having pace up front for substitutes, which would have been very valuable, especially at that scoreline, um, you know, Dortmund probably would have uh, gotten more PS on the more horsepower on the road and uh, would have probably scored a counter-attacking goal here, but it was not to be this time. So it was very tricky. So what, in your mind, did Dortmund do well to cope with the situation and what uh, can be improved going forward? I mean, I would absolutely agree with you that we come out too passive. Um, it looked like we kind of a bit too confident in our defending prowess or uh, capability that we that we showed in the last couple of games or even weeks um just a couple of yards too deep our uh, our defensive line we still were quite physical so we accepted the challenge that um, that leipzig brought to us and it wasn't like didn't last i would say maybe the first 15 20 minutes it still looked like an open game somehow because leipzig wasn't as you said they didn't come to they didn't come to uh, too many chances, but we were disciplined. We were disciplined, which is, as you said before, we had so many games in the past where we come out out of the um, out of the halftime, get an early uh, get an early goal, two one, and then you start to think. Then everything is a bit harder. Your passes aren't as accurate. But we stayed disciplined, and uh, I think up to the chance of uh, a boys, we are blasphemed. Just, as I said before, like how he saved that one, it was one of the better saves this season. It could have been 3-0. At this point, the game could have and maybe should have been over. But, yeah, uh, Leipzig made a couple of changes. Um, they pushed even higher up the pitch. And especially when Raum came on, it... Uh, on our right side because Wolf looked quite tired because he also didn't get enough um, enough help from uh, from Brandt who also looked quite tired in the second half um, yeah it just it, it, it was about to happen that Leipzig pushes a little bit forward and creates more chances because up front they still have a just an insane amount of quality with Schoboschlei who's always a threat he's very hard to defend um Reisen really did his best with uh, with him um, because you can't let him take uh, any chances from outside of the box or or even free kicks. You can't create any free kick situations around the box. And uh, yeah, I think we did well until like the 60th, 60th minute mark, I would say. Yeah, absolutely agree. And let's talk about Rioson for a minute because um, obviously it is always a decision to sit uh, Rafael Guerrero on the bench. But um, yes. in the 26th minute or so, um, there was a situation where Leipzig could have um, countered Dortmund. Uh, but uh, if if you recall, it was a situation where uh, Niklas Süle slipped and in the end it wasn't anything really. But that was also just because uh, Rioson was the last man and was cleaning up because he was uh, defensive minded <laughs> and uh, very much alert uh, to the danger and just cleared it to Meyer. And uh, it wasn't really a chance, but that was the first time I thought to myself, 
I have a feeling if Rafael Guerrero is on the pitch, then this is uh, a goal for Leipzig because he's probably not uh, right there to a uh, be pacey enough to just uh, beat, I don't know who it was, might have been Silva, might have been Nkunku uh, to the ball uh, there. But uh, overall, I thought he had a really great game. Um, obviously, <laughs> he is... He does not have the same footballing quality as Rafael Guerrero. I think everybody everybody knows that, and uh, there are a couple of losses of possession uh, that you then take uh, for granted almost. Uh, same with uh, Charlie Oshan in midfield. You know he is a great ball winner, but sometimes um, there are a couple of counter attacks he could initiate uh, much better by uh, <laughs> after he won the ball, but then his passes when he has to play a, a direct uh, vertical ball are just uh, not accurate enough. And I think there were two or three chances that Dortmund actually had uh, in the first half on the corner where uh, Ashan could have uh, yeah, probably just opened uh, Leipzig up completely, but uh, his passes were wayward. Um, but back to Ryerson, because um, it is a bit gutsy, obviously, to, to play him as a left-back uh, over Rafael Guerrero, who... Uh, you know, <laughs> is is such a better footballer and uh, is also someone who can create goals in such games, especially if uh, he plays uh, against Henrichs and Simakan. There's certainly space to exploit for a player like Guerrero. Um, but nevertheless, I was quite uh, okay with the decision. Um, how did you uh, see Riasson's game? I would absolutely agree with you on this again. Um, I mean, He's not a great footballer, but as you said before, he's defensively minded. He understands that his position needs to be interpreted more carefully. He needs to stay in his lane. He's de he needs to be disciplined. Um, he's not someone who just runs forward, even if there's space for him to, to move up. Um, he understands what we currently need, and we need stability. We have, a, like, especially with someone like Royce in front of him, Reus, at his age, he's not going to track back over 60, 70, or even 80 minutes. He's not capable of doing this any longer, and he shouldn't, because we need an upfront. We need him to be to be ready in those situations where he can actually explode, drift in, take shots, where, where, where he is able to still be <laughs> efficient. Yeah, exactly. We, we need Reus to be fit and fresh in those situations. It's not like you can't compare it to, let's say, Ronaldo when he was at Madrid, but still, those kind of players, they are luxury players, and you need players to back those players up. And Rioson is a perfect example for that. Um, we had this kind of player with uh, Piszczek for a long time, and Piszczek sometimes played left-back. He wasn't the best left-back, and compared to, to Guerrero, Riasen is is not a great footballer. Guerrero is probably the best footballer we have in our team with with someone like Brand, especially tactically, uh, technically. But Riasen is just a much better fit currently, and uh, as you said, it was the right decision to play him. And yeah, in the end, we we look much more stable defensively with him, and that is you can't argue against that. Yeah, uh, I. I'm I'm very happy. Obviously, um, the substitutions. Um, you know, when you talk about uh, Marco Reus, he came off and he looked absolutely gassed. Uh, around the what was it? Uh, yeah, seventy second minute. Uh, Anthony Modest and Jamie yeah. Bino Gittens came on, and I was hoping maybe Bino Gittens, um, could have a solo run and maybe uh, uh kill Leipzig by himself because we all know he's capable of doing that, and uh, he almost. Uh, did have one of those runs and I thought he was fouled, but the referee disagreed with my view there and uh, said, uh, play on. But, uh, you know, I thought that was a, a wise decision. Also, um, what I found interesting is that uh, Terzic, after, you know, you, you just talked about David Raum, I, I think the um, the pass by, I think it was Schlager, right, to... Um, to yes. David Raum, that dink uh, in behind Dortmund's back where Marius Wolf was a little bit asleep. I think that was uh, probably uh, the, the best crafted goal of the day, if you will, and the best crafted chance, because uh, when you have a tap-in like this, um, it speaks for itself, and uh, Nico Schlotterbeck nearly cleared it too, but he needed to clear backwards, what at, at this moment 
wasn't quite easy or would have scored uh, an own goal. But um, yeah, Emil Forsberg makes it 2-1 with 15 minutes to go. And uh, I, I think in the UK, you call it then squeaky bum time. <laughs> um, but what, what I found interesting is uh, for the last 10 minutes, if we add the stoppage time, because it was sort of the 83rd minute, uh, Motorhut was standing... Uh, forever on the sideline uh, but uh, I think Tessic wanted to make it a double sub um, so we brought on Dahoud to get regain a little bit more control of the game because uh, after Forsberg made it 2-1 um, you could see the momentum shift back to Dortmund somehow uh, even though I think Yusuf Paulsen I just uh, listened to his interview right after the game um, he said that it still felt closer to Leipzig making it to all than Dortmund uh, going over the halfway line. Uh, fair enough, but I still thought that uh, Dortmund uh, were a little bit less passive and a bit more proactive um, once uh, Leipzig scored. But uh, what I wanted to really talk about is um, the substitution because I thought it was quite wise to put um, Niklas Zule a little bit more over to the right uh, to take care of uh, David Raum. Yes because I think that was sort of the main threat that Leipzig had at this moment, because when they were building on their right side, um, they often got uh, just stuck and tried to dribble in the middle and then recycled possession. There were so many uh, uh, instances where Leipzig just did not find an answer uh, from their back, even though they had uh, Guardiola um, and and Willi Orban for the most part uh, doing the build-up, and I thought uh, maybe they could have you know, one of these uh, Schlotterbeck or Hummels passes, but that just never happened. They just played very risk-averse, which to me, especially very late in the game, was kind of astounding. <laughs> but, you know, you do you. Um, but yeah, so the substitutions I liked, even though, of course, uh, <laughs> if you see Hummels uh, come on and then the next moment Timo Werner and his pace and you think, oh God, if he now gets one run in behind Hummels, then it, it might be game over. But um, yeah, the reason why Timo Werner came on very late is that uh, he was actually sick and uh, under the weather, as Marco Rose said, and uh, so he couldn't really play longer than five minutes. And uh, I don't know about you, but I don't even recall him seeing on the field one second when he was on. So uh, he was quite of a non-factor, pretty much like Nkunku, to be honest. So um, it, well, in many ways, Dortmund were lucky. I would say there's there was one moment where I realized that Werner is playing. That was the the chance in the was it the ninety second, ninety third, where Schlotterbeck had to well had to defend the goal line once again. And was it the, was it the Werner the chance? The yes, that was Werner. <laughs> See, and I didn't I, I didn't even realize that because I, I was so focused on Schlotterbeck. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean. Seriously, I don't. I don't think that Werner had any any business being on the pitch because he didn't. He didn't look himself. And no, it was ex exactly as you said before. Like when Raum came on, the dynamics shifted a little bit because Raum is well. He was on our list this summer. We potentially wanted to buy him. I but mean, didn't you say pre-part that you were lucky that Dortmund didn't sign him? Yes, I was about to say I'm actually very happy that we didn't because did this decision would have been another Nico Schultz where you don't use a left back or left wing back up to his capacity because he he's not a left back he's not a left back that actually makes your defense strong he's a left back like Guerrero who can create a lot who has an insanely gifted left foot who his crosses are amazing he could have been useful for us but having someone like Rioson is actually more important for us currently. So having him on was definitely hard to, to, to defend, especially when you're tired. And Wolf looked, as you said before, like when Mazula had to move over to the right a little bit to, to help out because Wolf didn't look too uh, too happy to have to, well, basically have to run around um, after the 70th minute. So yeah, it was tough. But we made it in the end. Schlotterbeck uh, had a couple of great moments once again. And uh, yeah, also a couple of saves from, from Maya in the end to, to secure the victory. But I think we can be we can be incredibly happy that we are at the point now in the season where, I mean, who would have thought last October, last September, that we would sit here in March, early March, and, and we would have won the first 10 games 
from uh, from the end of January to to early March. It's 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 absolutely insane. It is absolutely insane. It is really insane, and I don't even know what to make of this. We're at the top of the table now, and we can now all sit back and enjoy everyone else taking points off each other. But most importantly, we took points off RB Leipzig. I mean, considering how strong the Bundesliga uh, this is, we can all talk about the title race, but uh, even securing a Champions League spot is not entirely in the bag because uh, there are teams like Freiburg, like Frankfurt, like, of course, Leipzig and Union Berlin, and, of course, Bayern, uh, who are very strong this season <laughs> and can all uh, easily dethrone you. So I wouldn't even... Uh, say it's it's all in the back for Dortmund now but uh, yeah as previously said uh, having a seven point lead now is a massive massive result and uh, I'm just also very happy from the standpoint of hate because I do hate Leipzig quite a lot and uh, losing against them especially um, the uh, first game that Marco Rose was appointed and in the fashion Dortmund lost was very very hurtful it was just a, a painful watch because Dortmund were quite without a chance in that 3 nothing thrashing, if you will. So um, even even though, you know, Dortmund right now do not play like a complete championship-winning caliber team, I think this much that, that you can you can admit that, uh, you know, if you look at the second half, um, teams that win the league usually play a bit more dominant. Um, but nevertheless, there, are, there have been other examples as well. But, um, you know, if you compare this Dortmund team to the title-winning teams under Jurgen Klopp. Um, in, in retrospect, uh, that Dortmund side was just clearly the best team in the Bundesliga at that moment. And right now, it's a little bit different. I wouldn't say that Dortmund are uh, right out or out and out the best team in the league, but uh, they have managed to form a spirit and uh, some discipline, some grit, and of course, uh, they do have a lot of quality as well. We shouldn't, you know, discount that totally. I'm just saying they're not the the absolute best team by themselves in the Bundesliga. Um, but the for now, it is enough for them to make it really interesting. And um, you know, having won eight games in a row in the Bundesliga is is no small feat. And uh, yes, we can all talk about uh, some games being lucky. Uh, for them and some performances not being great but you know what within an 8 game stretch that is totally normal even Bayern Munich when they win 10 games in a row which you know has happened quite often there were some lucky wins and uh, some uh, ground out uh, one, nif- one nothing wins here and there so I'm not knocking this at all this is probably one of the most impressive streaks um, I've ever seen with Dortmund I don't know if it's a club record I'm I'm sure uh, someone will tell me soon, since this is still very uh, soon after the game. I haven't really uh, had the time to read all the stats on this, but um, my God, just uh, enjoy the ride <laughs> right now is, is my message because it is it is just uh, massive. And of course, next up, uh, we do play now in the Champions League <laughs> and then the Revier Derby and then uh, against Cologne, which is also, uh, you know, a very uh, tough match. And then Bayern after the international break. So um, Aiden Tessic has said at the news conference before the Leipzig game that it was this was going to be the most important week of the season so far. And we obviously have now the first win under our belt. But now Dortmund have to travel to Stamford Bridge on Tuesday night. And that, of course, is going to be a very interesting game from many points of view. Um, because Dortmund arrived there with a 1-0 advantage, but 90 minutes can be very long. And if you look at the first leg, I think Dortmund were also quite lucky to come away with those three points, if we are honest. So, Danny, uh, what can we expect? I mean, I think a couple of weeks back when when we discussed the first leg, uh, Chelsea against Dortmund, I think I've, I've described Chelsea as the biggest question mark in, in the Premier League right now, even with all the struggles Liverpool um, are going through. I still have no idea what this Chelsea team is. Um, they spend a ton of money. We've seen in the first leg that there is a massive amount of, of quality. Offensively, they've bought some gifted players that can really, really hurt you in one-on-one situations, but they don't have a striker. 
and they have not scored a goal, I think, in the last two or three games. And I think they've scored once in the last four or five games. Um, I would be shocked if Chelsea scores a goal against Dortmund on, on Tuesday night. Um, that has nothing to do with the quality of the team, but only with the with, with the um, men up front, because who's going to start for them again? It's going to be Harvard, it's going to be Joao Felix, both very similar players, and we've seen how, how good or in, how, how incredibly gifted Joao Felix especially is, but he's not a goal scorer. And Dortmund will be... I hope Dortmund won't park the bus from the beginning because you have to play Chelsea. You have to take the fight to them. And we have one big advantage on, on Tuesday night because Thiago Silva um, got injured against... Um, I think it was a week ago. Was it Tottenham? And he will be out again. Yes. Uh, oh, what a game, yeah. Um, he got injured against uh, Tottenham and, yeah, he's going to be out which means Chelsea will not only be without Thiago Silva, but because they missed to um, register uh, Benoit Badiashil. That means that they will start with most likely Koulibaly and uh, Wesley Fofana. And Wesley Fofana has not been... He's been out since, I would say, September-ish. And he only came back recently from, uh, from his uh, knee injury. And he's a young centre-back. He has never played on that level before. He's probably the most talented young French centre-back with, uh, with uh, William Zadira. But that is definitely an area where we can hurt them again. And um, it wouldn't shock me if we start with... Um, well, we have to wait and see if Marlon is fit. But it wouldn't shock me if we would actually start with Marlon against um, Chelsea up front because we need pace against those guys. But... Apart from that, Chelsea is exactly the same team we faced uh, uh, two or three weeks ago. And what do you, what what kind of game do you expect this time around? Well, I expect a very nervy game, and I expect um, to have you know troubles with the set piece defending because I think this is an area where Chelsea uh, certainly can hurt Dortmund. Even though Dortmund's set piece defending has improved, but I just feel like. Um, um, they will throw everything they have at Dortmund and they do have a lot of physicality. This is one thing they certainly have uh, over Dortmund and sometimes um, that's what you need to do in these situations, uh, just rely on, on sheer physicality and, and hope that uh, can help. Um, what I'm also worried about is that Dortmund um, have to do without uh, Julian Reyerson because I think he would have been a very good um, player to start in this game uh, just because of what we've just discussed uh, during the Leipzig uh, segment. Um, but uh, yeah, he, uh, in the few minutes he played, got his, uh, I don't know how many of yellow card. And uh, since they accumulate from his EuroLeague run with Union Berlin, he's going to be out as well. So we're almost in injury slash personnel crisis territory already. I don't know what the status is of Gregor Kobel. Uh, we do not know what Marlon's status is. Adeyemi is back in team training or is about to start, but uh, if we're realistic, he's not going to make it either. He's probably only going to return for the Bayern game. Maybe against Cologne, I'm not entirely sure. <clears throat> and uh, if you have players like Adeyemi um, and Marlon <laughs> available against Chelsea, that changes the dynamic quite dramatically, I would say. And uh, not having them, I think we saw it quite well today. Um, Dortmund were on the back foot, pinned back, uh, very much also because of a lack of pace up front. And uh, so, yeah, this is going to be uh, very annoying <laughs> if they are both out because uh, with them and especially Adeyemi, considering the streak he was on before he went down, yeah. Um, you you would not have bet against him uh, to score against Leipzig, and you also would have not bet against him to score away to Chelsea. To be honest, so um, the good news is um, Marco Reus, Julian Brandt, and Jude Bellingham alone um have enough attacking intelligence, let's say, um, to really carve out uh a few good chances against FC Chelsea. And uh, Marco Reus has been very clinical, um, very often in the Champions League. 
uh, in a way games and uh, yeah I'm I'm just hoping that uh, Dortmund with uh, Sebastian Allaire up front uh, can very much early in the game um, get some very important uh, touches and redistributions and uh, play off of that because chances will be there we have seen that Chelsea are not uh, that disciplined they are not as good as winning the ball back once Dortmund have it as Leipzig were for example um, I would just uh, make that statement right now. Um, so from that standpoint, I think uh, today was a really good test, a really good battle to see um, whether Dortmund uh, can beat a team like Chelsea. And um, there's no reason to disrespect Chelsea uh, because of all the individual quality they have. But uh, it is a fact that, as you pointed out, they have scored only one goal uh, in the last uh, five games uh, in a one-all draw against uh, 17th. West Ham United, uh, otherwise they had a scoreless draw against Liverpool, a scoreless draw against Fulham, then they lost one nothing away to Dortmund, a one nothing loss to Southampton, who are, uh, I think, rock bottom in the Premier League, and then, uh, yeah, a 2-0 loss against uh, Tottenham, which I personally didn't see, um, but uh, it's... Let's just say the pressure... On Graham Potter is immense right now. Uh, they also <laughs> do play Leeds this weekend, so I think I'm I'm going to um, take an eye on that uh, match because they're 17th as well, and uh, Chelsea do need a few good moments. But then again, you know, league and 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 Champions League sometimes are just completely separate things. Um, but I'm not I'm not pessimistic about Dortmund uh, playing in this tie, so. Um, if I had to make a scoreline prediction, I would uh, I would sadly say that Dortmund's winning streak comes to an end, but I think it, it'll be a two-all draw. I don't know why. I, 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 I see goals in this game, which makes no sense from everything we've just said, but that's just my gut feeling. I would, I would agree with you. I think our winning streak will come to an end, but for some reason I can see us getting away with a nil-nil. <laughs> I think, um, I, I mean, as you said before, um, not having Ryerson is going to be an issue. And it would not shock me if we actually start with Schlotterbeck, Zule, and Hummels. Which, yeah, would potentially mean that we will play with uh, Hummels in a, yeah, more like a libero. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a quite a uh, outdated uh, position but it wouldn't shock me if we if we start really defensive and yeah unfortunately as you said before we, we we are lacking a bit of pace up front currently and yeah it's going to be it's going to be a long 90 minutes but we just have to we just have to hope that um, graham potter will still be in charge next tuesday <laughs> and if that's the case that will uh it will boost our chances a couple of percent, but I would say it's still a, yeah, I would say maybe now it's like a 60-40 game for us, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be, it's going to be a very, very, uh, very long game. Yeah, which is unfortunate because I don't know if I can survive another one of those games after tonight. <laughs> uh, I, I'll be honest, it's... it's being in a title race is not healthy. I'm, I'm can, I can tell you that much because the, the, the stakes are so much higher and the nerves are so more more wrecked. <sighs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 I, fun also. Is <laughs> I absolutely agree with you. I miss the days when we were just third, fourth, and we had like a well, more or less like ten points on 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 the fifth place, and everything was <laughs> was more or less decided in April, and you could just relax and watch football. But I mean, just think about yeah, it. The next games be... are all going to be so so huge, especially the derby. And you know, if you look at, at at Schalke, they they have managed to uh, <laughs> recover. They are they are, yeah. They they even won the game against Stuttgart. Congratulations! And I I mean I'm I'm personally rooting for Schalke not to be relegated, to be honest, because uh, the Bundesliga does need them, <laughs> but. Also, I do think the derby is just going to be insane. <laughs> uh, since uh, and and from that standpoint, it's actually quite good that Dortmund do play on Tuesday already and not um, uh, on on Wednesday because they will need that day of recovery because the the derby is just going to be taxing. 
and uh, I'm very I think intrigued about rotations. I would absolutely say the game against uh, against Schalke will be that will be physical. Yeah, that's going to be even more physical than the game against Chelsea because Schalke is definitely going to be very aggressive in that game. But as you said, we have Schalke coming up, then we have Cologne. Then you have a, bro- a small break. You have Bayern. You have Leipzig uh, in the uh, quarterfinals. Those are some tough games. You have Union coming up after that. It's, Jesus Christ! When does it end? It's, a, it, <laughs> uh, it's all right. Anytime soon. Well, hopefully. Well, but I mean, yeah. Before I have a stroke, I, I think it's time to end this episode. But uh, when we when we talk <laughs> about uh, you know teams playing very physical I, I would just say that Leipzig today played very physical there were a couple of fouls that as you said were dark yellow territory and um, yeah. Leipzig I think pretty lucky that they finished with uh, all 10 outfield players so um, yeah once again uh, everyone out there thank you very much for listening I hope uh, you enjoyed this sort of post game uh, hot takes <laughs> where there was not a lot of preparation other than watching the game of course and uh, nearly dying of uh, of, of heart failure but uh, yeah more importantly uh, Danny uh, thank you for coming on uh, very late in the evening in the UK thank you for having me once helping again helping me preview uh, the Chelsea game no, of course of course it's it's always a pleasure to to hop on here and uh, yeah especially when we're winning <laughs> i was just gonna say because we we knew before and that we were gonna make this uh record this uh podcast tonight so <laughs> you're just like oh god it could end win. up completely different yeah yes i know especially after the 2-1 i was like oh god i don't i don't want to talk about this game if we if we still like if, if we bottle it but yeah as long as we win, I'll keep on uh, coming on, so. <laughs> <laughs> Fine.